0: Welcome to episode 49 of the Lace Them Up Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. The LA Kings are
1: hurting big time in goal, and uh, it could be a sign of things to come. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, goalie situation in Pittsburgh uh, continues to heat up as, uh, well, uh, they signed one of their two goalies to a contract extension. Uh, We'll tell you who's on the outside looking in there. Um, Also, the Canucks were the last undefeated team in the NHL before losing in overtime to the LA Kings. Why is that important? Well, did anyone predict the Canucks would be the last undefeated team in the NHL? I certainly
0: didn't.
1: Uh, So we'll talk about that. Also talk about the pull of the week. And a bunch of injuries, um, both good and bad. Uh, And also, Connor McDavid showing off his leadership skills, and they're paying off. Uh, And we'll also talk Bruins sense, But first, shout out to the – how about a shout out for those Chicago Cubs, man? For the first time in 1945, they're going to the World Series. And to put this into perspective, here are things that did not exist when the Cubs last made it to the World Series. Mr. Potato Head, the L.A. Dodgers, the team they just beat – Joe Madden wasn't born. Velcro wasn't invented. Pacemakers weren't invented. The Barbie dolls weren't invented. Satellites, hula hoops, barcodes, microwaves, super glue. The NBA wasn't a thing. Color television wasn't a thing. We didn't have international air travel. We didn't have diet soda or credit cards.
0: And Alaska and Hawaii weren't U.S. states. Well, this is this is from 1945, not 1908, which the list would probably get even longer. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: That's why you need to make it a bit more realistic. But, and also, another
0: thing on this, um, we're not a baseball podcast, obviously, but um, it's we either... We just love good sports stories. Yeah, yeah They're playing... Um, they're playing the Indians, who have the second longest drought in um, in MLB history. So whoever wins will break a drought, um, which I think is pretty cool. So either the Indians or the Cubs will break their drought. And and honestly, like
1: like I I like watching hockey on Saturday nights. I was flicking back and yeah. forth to the Cubs game, and I just watched <laughs> the score get bigger and bigger in the Cubs' favor every yeah. out. The crowd kept getting louder and louder, and then the place just exploded. Just like thousands of people on the streets uh, outside of Wrigley Field that couldn't be in attendance. And guess what? I have heard that standing room at Wrigley for the World Series is going for as high as three
0: grand. I would believe that. that. That's how long people – that's how much people are going to have to pay. And you
1: know what? If people want to see the Cubs make history, unfortunately, they're going to pay that money.
0: Yeah, they will.
1: This this really means a lot to the city of Chicago. So good on the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Also, a shout-out to all the players past and present who have worn 49 in the (laughs) NHL. Michael Layton, uh, arguably the most noble. Brent Gretzky, Wayne's brother, wore number 49. Uh, Ryan Ellis, Dan Fritchie, wore number 49. Chris Kelly in 2004 only, he wore 49. Uh, Brian Savage, Calvin Klein, Vladimir Orsog, Maxime Ouellette, a goalie, uh, Jimmy Wade, also a goalie, Um, just a few of the notable NHLers past and present who have worn number 49 in this beautiful league. So to all of them, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve.
0: That was like a short list there. <laughs> yeah, number 49 isn't a popular number, apparently. Also, I didn't realize we, this is our 49th episode, so next yeah. week is our 50th. That's, yep. that's yeah, pretty next cool. one will be number 50. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, Alright, let's get going, though. Um, so, this week, even though uh, this guy's injured, Matt Murray, um, he uh, he signed a new contract uh, for three years, three point seven five million to the Pittsburgh um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Did that, um, and that's per year, not per year. over those three years. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, Still cheaper than Flurry. Still cheaper than Flurry, but this brings about what are they gonna? Do, what are the Penguins gonna do with this Flurry and um, Murray situation? Um, it is kind of risky because we don't know what Murray's Murray still has yet to play in a regular season game yet. I mean, well, he did last year, but I mean this yeah. year. But, like, um, like, close to a full NHL season, he yeah, doesn't yeah, have that. Yeah, yeah, that's what Blurry's I mean. had several of so, them,
1: he's had several 30-win seasons, he's yeah. got the
0: pedigree. But, like, they can't, keep, they can't afford to keep both of them, especially with this Las Vegas expansion yeah. draft coming, so... Um, and they
1: also brought in Mike Condon off waivers.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at their cap-friendly page. Uh, um, it looks like... Chris Kunitz is a UFA next year. Nick Bonino, Matt Cullen, and Trevor Daly. Um, so they aren't too bad in terms of, like, who's going to be free agents next year. But um, it's still something to think about. Like, maybe is going to get traded somehow. Because um, you can't really... I mean, I guess you could pay these guys the same amount. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury is making 5.7 per year. Um, he has two, uh, three years left, including this year. Um, so uh, he also has a no movement clause. Um, so that might be tough to trade him. But um, I don't know. It's There's something a team we'll have that's to look looking
1: at. for an upgrade in goal. They'll, they'll, yep. they'll, they'll be willing to, to to give up something.
0: It's just a matter of what Pittsburgh will want in return. I think Are they you can thinking get a, of the, the LA Kings or you, like? <laughs> No, no, I I'm, I'm just talking
1: about I'm talking about Marc-André Fleury. Here. Oh, like you're just
0: a, saying, you're just talking about a team in general. Yeah, just like it, a
1: team, any team, If for a guy like Marc-André Fleury with the kind of kind of winning pedigree that he that he's got uh, under his belt, he's got a Stanley Cup as well. He got two Stanley Cups now. Right. Um but, you know, played a meaningful part in the first one in 09. So, I think there are going to be teams that are are going to be willing to to, to pay a price to get Mark Andre Fleury. The problem is, what does Jim Rutherford want for a guy like Mark Andre Fleury? What are the other teams going to be willing yeah. to afford to give up uh, in order to get Mark Andre Fleury from Pittsburgh? But he, I, I don't think he's a kind of guy you want you want to let walk for nothing. True. I think if if you're if you're Pittsburgh, I think you're going to have to choose between either Matt Murray or Mark Andre Fleury because I don't think Mark Andre Fleury is going to be willing to stay as Matt Murray's backup for long. I think he wants to be a number one goalie. He's been a good sport about it, but I think he wants his shot. Any goalie in this league that if they have a shot to become a number one goalie, they'll take it. And I think Marc-Andre Fleury wants that opportunity, and I think he's going to get it whether whether it's with Pittsburgh. It looks like it won't be, but if it's not with Pittsburgh, it's going to be with someone else. And I think if I'm Jim Rutherford, it'd be a waste to let him walk away for nothing.
0: Yeah. Um, also, something to think about: Mark Andre Fleury is uh, 31 years old. Matt Murray's 22, so yeah. that might have a decision to make. As I just mentioned, also that uh, Mark Andre Fleury has a no movement clause and no trade clause. So this is something that Mark Andre Fleury is going to have to want to do instead of like Rutherford just being like, "All right, we're going to trade Fleury now." <laughs> you know, so it's um, it might be a little bit more complicated than. Just like, all right, let's trade Fleury and see what we can get for him kind of I deal.
1: think. I think, uh, again, it's it's going to be based on Cap's situation. And, like, I look at a team like the Dallas Stars, who who I think need a bit of an improvement. I don't think Kari Lettinen and Anthony, we've said it many times before, right. I don't trust them as far as I
0: can throw them. They've been a and, decent so far, but yeah. They've been decent and
1: and you know, even with Marc Andre Fleury, they still need to upgrade a bit on defense. But I, I think Fleury is gonna provide maybe just a bit more consistency in goal, maybe a bit more reliability, and he's going to a winning environment. So I think if he wants to go to a winning environment where he's gonna be playing in a lot of games, I think Dallas would be the ideal spot. If if he wants to be a number one guy, he might have to sell going to a weaker team that's probably not in playoff contention, but could use a guy like Flurry.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, like it maybe all like
1: what Fleury wants.
0: Maybe like Calgary or Win. Uh, actually, not Winnipeg, but Calgary. Maybe. Well, um,
1: uh, if Brian Ellie continues to perform the way, maybe. But I, I, I still think at some point he, he's he's gonna he's gonna find his groove and he's gonna become that guy. Winnipeg, uh, it's gonna be an interesting scenario there. Um, I yeah, like, like you said, it, it it all depends on what teams want. What, yeah, I uh, think
0: the thing. What, well, what, the thing with Winnipeg, Win- the thing with Winnipeg is that they have two young guys like Hellebuck and um, Hutchinson. So yeah, that uh, like it takes a while for goalies to develop into who they really are. So I I think it's more of a waiting process on Winnipeg, but um. Yeah, I mean, Dallas is an interesting one, Calgary maybe, but probably not for Calgary considering they just got Brian Elliott. Um, uh, What
1: I will say is that Marc-Andre Fleury will be a number one goalie in this league very soon.
0: Yeah, probably. not going to say
1: if it's Pittsburgh, but he'll be a number one goalie.
0: Probably. Um, Alright, I guess we can, it's like a short, (laughs) that's a short main topic that we did. Um, We'll go to the poll of the week though. Um, good thing that we have a lot on the rapid fire, though. So, um, so by this time, uh, this was on Wednesday, I, uh, posted this poll that there were only four teams that don't have a regulation loss yet, who will be the last team to remain undefeated. Now, when I wrote this, I didn't look at the standings too carefully, because I kind of forgot that the Canadians were also hadn't lost, um, in regulation either. But that's okay because by the time this podcast is on they're we're probably cursed them and they're probably yeah. going to have at least one blemish on their seasons. True. Um so and technically the Canucks still haven't lost. So um so both the Canadi- so nowadays the Can- uh Canadians and the Canucks have are the only teams to not lose in regulation right now. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um but at the time, on Wednesday, it was the Lightning, the Capitals, the Canucks, and the Blues that I had on here. Um, and the uh, I believe the Lightning lost that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was funny, because le- they were ahead um, <laughs> at the time. Uh, but the Capitals won this poll 35%. Um, this is a little weird poll to have, I'll admit, because like, I knew it was going to change before... Um before it closed. So um, Capitals Lightning Connects Blues. Um I believe the let me look quickly, I should have done this beforehand. I
1: but, will tell you that the Capitals lost four two to the Rangers in regulation and Jimmy VC scored two goals on yeah. Saturday night. So they do have a regulation loss.
0: Um and the Blues lost to the uh um, Oilers. Yep. Oilers on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then the, um... What was the other team? Oh, Tampa Bay. They lost to, like, a bad team, right?
1: Yeah, 4 nothing to Colorado. Oh, no, no,
0: right, Colorado, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Colorado might be good, actually. They're, but they're
1: a decent team. Yeah. They're
0: a decent team. Um, and the... Yeah, so the Canu- and the Canucks lost last night, but in overtime. In uh,
1: overtime. The they were down 3
0: nothing too. Yeah. They were able to force it's overtime. Quite resilient of them. Um, mm-hmm. and the, uh... Yeah, but they still haven't lost the regulation, so technically they won this poll. Also, yeah. Montreal um, won this poll. The only team to beat uh, the Sen- the uh, Can- uh, Canadians um, so far is the uh, Ottawa Sen- your Ottawa Senators in a shootout. Um, What's
1: interesting is the Sens' next opponent is Vancouver, so they could be the first team to hand them their first regulation loss.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe. They seem, to
1: be, they seem to be a team of streak breakers.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't, like, break the Canadian streak, but yeah. No, they didn't. <laughs> They're the just the only run. team to beat the the Canadians. But yeah. Um, yeah, but so to be I, fair, I don't know.
1: A good chunk of that streak, if that
0: was without Gary Price. I mean, he's yeah. back now, but the first three
1: games, they won without Gary Price. And, right, and, they and then the second two too.
0: Yeah, it, they're, they're scared. I was watching them last night because they were playing the Bruins. But, yeah, um, yeah they're they're a pretty good team. I thought they weren't going to be that good. I didn't think that Radilov or Shea Weber were going to help them for some reason. But, they, uh, you know, Radilov had a nice goal. Um, he played well against us. Um, and then us. I hate some... <laughs> <The> Bruin <laughs> He played well against the Bruins. Um, yeah. And uh, so yeah they they're, they're a scary team especially when Kerry price is on it's like you can't really score um, like when they we, the Bruins were down 2 nothing and I was just like I was just like defeated at that point because so it's like there's no way the Bruins are getting three past Kerry uh, price so um, so that like having a, like the best goalie in the world helps you a lot um. Yeah, I like it. Getting, getting
1: back to the Canucks, what's interesting yeah. about their their streak is that, yeah, they haven't lost in regulation. Technically,
0: oh, um,
1: yeah. they were the last unbeaten team not to lose in regulation, not to lose
0: in overtime in the NHL. So technically, they were the last team standing. Right. Um,
1: but what's also interesting is that they've scored 13 goals for over their first five games. Four of their first five games have gone to overtime. And all of their games have been decided
0: by one goal. Yep.
1: Or all five of their games, sorry, have been decided by one right, goal. Right, haven't
0: they, they've gone to overtime all all five of their games, right? Is that right?
1: No, they, the one time they didn't was against Buffalo, and they won that 2-1. to one.
0: Oh, right, okay. But four
1: of their first five have gone to yeah. overtime. Won three of those four in overtime, and then all five of their first all uh, all five of their first five games decided by one goal.
0: And what's impressive too about that is that uh, Ryan Miller was injured for a bit. Um. So Jacob Marks, Jacob Mark. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Jacob
1: Markstrom. I believe is it yeah. Jacob
0: or y- Like I know it's like a weird pronunciation for these I, I
1: people. He-
0: I hear Jacob a lot. <laughs> okay, so it's Jacob Markstrom um, had to take over, um, in goal for them. So, um, that's what, that's also impressive too, um, in that regard. Um, but again, it's early in the season. So that tells me either this team is legit or their luck's going to run out very, very quickly. Yeah. They may be like our Calgary flames or Colorado avalanche of uh, this year kind of thing. Um, yeah, you, or, you see teams all the time in sports that get off to fast right.
1: starts and then they
0: just... Psh, right, oh, exactly, God. like the Montreal Canadiens last year where they... Well, like, yeah, that's were a un- prime a, example, yeah. and then
1: one injury and then... Yeah,
0: and then, and then another injury, and then another injury. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, mostly that one injury. Yeah, there is a long... Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I don't know, PK and Gallagher were a big uh, part of their team, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Price is, uh, is a big deal, as I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to the rapid fire now. Um, speaking of goalies and injuries, um, there were a lot of them. Um, the uh, So Mike Smith is out. Uh, Steve was watching this, and he said that it did not look good. Um, now, left just in take the words third period from of Tuesday's game against Ottawa, didn't put
1: any kind of pressure on his left leg. He was he was, he was trying to good. twist around, and it I guess... He caught his left leg in a pretty bad spot. Couldn't put any pressure on it. Um, they've already ruled him out for the remainder of their six-game road trip. Louis Domingue is the is at the helm until Mike yeah. Smith returns. I wouldn't be surprised if it's longer than this road trip. He was he, yeah. pointing to his left leg, and he he, he looked he, he looked he looked pretty frantic. Like it, it it did not look good at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if 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 he missed is at least a month on this. Again, don't quote me on that. I'm just looking at what I see yeah. and, and what I see, and from what I saw, it, it did not look good.
0: Um, this is kind of sad too, but and I, and it's too bad because
1: yeah. it's it's too bad bec- it's it's too bad because I he was just starting to find his form again because right. in 2012 instrumental part of that Coyotes run a couple of years yeah. ago before getting hurt in a game against the Rangers, the Coyotes I think would have made the playoffs. Then he got hurt and they didn't. Uh, so when this guy is on his game, um, this team is very tough to beat, and not knocking Louis Domingue, I think he can be a very capable goalie in this league, he's shown at times he can be, but I, I think a veteran guy like Mike Smith makes this team better, and I,
0: it's it's an early setback, I think, if you're Arizona. Yeah, I agree it is a setback, but we, we were talking about this um, when the, when the news broke out, I guess um on on Facebook chat and we um and I was just saying that like I believe Duming had a better year last year than Mike Smith did um although to be fair Mike Smith was injured so it's a little um I mean I don't think du- like Duming hasn't been that great lately uh this year so I'm probably wrong on this but I thought this might be a good thing for Mike Smith, uh, for the Coyotes in the sense that you know, Mike Smith's getting older, and uh, Duming is, you know, kind of their new guy now. So um, he gets some more reps in terms of what to do. And, and for the Coyotes, this is still like their rebuilding year. They have, you know, they have Dvorak, Chikrin, um, yeah. Domi, Duclair, um and I think Strom is also playing. So they have a lot of young yes. guys in there. Um, Speaking of which, Dylan Strome got his first point against Ottawa, and yeah. Jacob Chikrin against Montreal scored his first career
1: NHL goal. Not like he drew it up, but he'll take it.
0: Um, <laughs> and Dvorak got a, an assist, I think, um, in yeah. the first game. So, too. young guns are contributing, I like to yeah. see
1: that, and it's it's good to see what Louis Deming has, because
0: I'm right.
1: not quite sure but, yeah. if they really have a solid plan
0: yeah. in the farm
1: system, if... If you know, if you go to Louis Domingue, do you have a
0: plan B? That was my point, really, is that this is this is they're still in a rebuilding year, so this is a good time to test out like how good is um, Louis Domingue? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's it for him. Um, Patrick Sharp is out with a concussion. He's probably. Out long term, I would imagine, because of concussion, well, just, again, <laughs> you know, it's like looking indefinitely. At what I,
1: looking what I saw, it didn't look good uh, against yep. the Kings. Braden McNabb, he, he hit him, and then Sharp's head went hard into the boards. Looked shaky as he got up again. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than just a day to day thing. Uh, also, Patrick Eaves um, is hurting. Your Hoodler battling an illness, and if if you look at the Dallas Stars, right from day one, at the start of training camp. Um, they've been battling injuries this entire time, and it it really hasn't gotten off to
0: the best of starts. The injury bugs hit them pretty bad. Yeah, according to... Oh, yeah, you also forgot Cody Eakins out too. Yeah, that's right. He returning in a couple weeks. Matthias uh, Matthias Janmark's out till March, which is kind of crazy. Um, Yeah, according to Roto World, um, which is what I was looking at, and that's how I got the Cody Eakin and Janmark, Nothing. Uh, Patrick Sharp is out day-to-day. Um, he's still out day-to-day. So is Patrick Eves and Yuri Hitler. Um, they're all day-to-day for now. But um, it could be worse. Uh, we'll see. Concussions, though, are a day-to-day thing, but yeah. you know they could also be a week-to-week thing. That's... True, true. Yeah, I guess you could just say that he's out indefinitely. <laughs> um, yeah, for- proceed with caution if, yeah, if exactly. you're the Dallas Stars here. Um, so that's kind of sad, but uh, luckily it's early in the season um so we'll see you know he could be back we don't know yet uh, when he'll be back but um luckily they have uh Tyler Sagan uh, Jamie Ben and Jason Spezza still so they they're pretty good up front still so and that's what happens when you have a lot of good forwards like that so yeah. um, at least they have both of their goalies intact yeah um well I mean, Is that a good thing? (laughs) Well, uh, compared
1: to another team in the West. Oh yeah
0: yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, you're leading off to the next topic that we're talking about. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's funny how our chemistry is still not great. Um, Well, I mean, episode fifty, we promise. we'll 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 get there. We'll be on sync. Um, King stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, so Jonathan Quick got injured last week. Uh, we mentioned it on the show last week. This week, uh, Jeff Setgoff got injured. Um, he may be out long-term as well. Um, but this means that uh, the Kings might need a goalie, because now they're on to plan C um, instead of yeah, plan Peter B. Yeah, Peter Budai is
1: their guy. Jack yep. Campbell is their backup. Yeah. Assuming neither one of them get hurt now. Um, uh, and it, it was also determined that Jonathan Quick, fortunately, avoids surgery, but is still going to miss three months.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, this is... this. Is, the Kings are in a weird situation right now because I bet... They, obviously, they didn't account for, like, Quick to be out long-term or yeah. Zaykoff to be they out sure long-term. Because use- Quick usually... Like, Quick's, like... Uh, I tend to think that he's a little overrated, but, like, he is their... He is basically their team. Um, like, if he's not there, then they really... Like, he plays most of the... The games when he's healthy, so um, I'm sure they didn't really think about oh, well, we need a backup option just in case Quick gets injured. Um, and now they have two goalies who are out indefinitely. Um, so
1: and less than two million in cap
0: to work with, and less than two million to cap to work with, exactly. So, yeah, they're in some trouble. Um, right, so you were suggesting uh, Pavlic- although the money might be tough. And I think before this is going to be
1: tough, no matter where they look, I think if they're looking for a guy that can fill the void, like Jonathan quick, and you can't fill the void, but even do a respectable amount to to try and fill the gap. You know, your, your options, I've heard that, um, Brian Miller's name might be in the works, but see, the thing is the Vancouver Canucks, if I'm not mistaken, they have a plan after trading Eddie Lag for a middle-round pick, which to this day I still don't get. Conversation that we've talked about numerous times before. The tandem is, the plan is, you have Ryan Miller now. In a couple of years, you turn over to Jakob Markstrom when Thatcher Demko's ready to back him up. And then Thatcher Demko will probably be, at some point, the franchise lawyer. The future. Right. If you get rid of Ryan Miller, who's in the final year of his deal, and it wouldn't be a bad idea to trade him if you're not going to keep him beyond this year, because we don't know what the Canucks plan is. Maybe they think Demko's ready to come next year. Who knows?
0: Yeah. But, true
1: if either way i think they'd be rushing thatcher demko into the nhl too soon if they got rid of ryan miller and then jakob markstrom would be your go-to guy Uh, So that that would kind that that would kind of maybe rushing things a little bit too soon so that's why it's a risk to trade a guy like ryan miller but again final year of his deal it would make sense to get something in return because he's not worth he's not worth nothing but he's worth something and i think the
0: Canucks need True. to get
1: something for what for the
0: talent that they have right now. Um, um I the, should... thing is, the thing is, oh, sorry, you were going to say something? Yeah. Um, I'll, I don't know if you were about to mention this, but uh, he's making six million right now. Um, right. so and the Kings can't afford that. So, um, exactly. uh, so, So the Kings would have to trade like a couple of players just to make this fair, but um, I don't know if that's going to happen. So.
1: It, it, I think, yeah, yeah they're probably going to have to make some room. They're probably going to have to trade a guy that may, adds a significant amount on the salary cap. It all depends on what the Canucks want. I think there's stuff that that uh, LA has that the Canucks would want. Right. Um. Again, they would have to name their price, but I also think the Canucks are going to have to take a bite out of Miller's salary cap uh, in order for this deal to happen. Yeah. Because I I I think they're going to need some. The Kings are going to need some salary cap help from Vancouver, whoever they trade with. They're probably going to have to ask their team to eat some of the cap that uh, Ryan Miller has, or whoever the goalie is in question. Another question is Andre Pavlik. Again, it's the same problem. They they need to either shed some cap or ask the other team to take care of that for them uh, and and eat some of the cap that uh, Pavlik brings. But the thing is, even though that Michael Hutchison – um and uh, Connor Hullabuck are the tandem in Winnipeg right now, They can, what's stopping them from bringing Andre Pavlik back mid-season? I mean, sure. who says Pavlik is done in Winnipeg, even though he's got a year left on his deal, and everyone assumes, all oh, that means they're probably moving away from Pavlik. If, if one of their two goalies start to falter, it's a business, and, and you want to look like a competitive team. And Winnipeg's got a pretty competitive team, so if – either Hellebuck or Hutchison isn't looking good and they need more time in the AHL, then you bring back Andre Pavlik. If you trade Andre Pavlik, that limits your options. And then you have a guy in the AHL like Eric Comrie, you don't want to rush him. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of the the tough thing they have with Pavlik. But again, Pavlik is eating up the salary cap too. So again, um, experienced goalie maybe could be a short-term solution for the Kings But, again, True. the Jets would have to eat up some of the cap. Again, Although, if, you go back to, if you go back to Fleury and Condon, like Fleury, final year of his deal. Yeah. But easy UFA, my bet is the reason the Pittsburgh Penguins claim Condon is to add insurance once either they let Flurry walk or trade him elsewhere. Fleury would cost both sides too much. The Pens have enough of what they got. The Kings don't really need anything from Pittsburgh. And, yeah. more importantly, um, you know, if you trade a big – a part if you trade a significant part of your team at at the same time you know Mark Andre Fleury is not going
0: to be back next year cuz Jonathan Quick is our guy. Right. So that wouldn't be a right Same team for Ryan to, Miller right kind of to thing. Go to. So that
1: again that's hmm. unrealistic. I think if if they go for an experienced goalie it's either Miller or Pavlik but again no matter what they're probably going to have to ask either the Canucks or the Jets to take a bite out of the salary cap uh, uh, out of Miller or Pavlik's salary cap cuz there's no way they can they can just trade a couple of people to even things out
0: cap wise. I I just don't see it. Um, or they could just you know this is gonna be kind of crazy, um, <laughs> but they could just not trade and just stick it out. Um, yeah, uh, I um, think right, they it would actually. This is oddly gonna. Sound, I don't know if this is gonna sound weird, but um, it might be beneficial for them to actually like stink this year um, because. They don't really have too many prospects in their system right now. Um, you know, they're like, you know, I mean, yeah, they do have a bunch of, they do have a couple of young guys on their team, but not a ton. Um, I mean, it's like, that's what happens when you're in the playoffs every year, but, um, or almost every year. I mean, they really only have Tyler Toffoli and Tanner Pearson. Um in terms of young guys on their current roster, so it might be beneficial to, for them to get like a, like to get a high draft pick this year, um, just just because, I mean, like Jeff Carter, Kopitar. Well, Kopitar's twenty nine. I was gonna say Carter's thirty one, Gaborik's thirty four. Um, that's like mainly their team, um, you know. But, like, you know, Drew... I guess on the flip side, you also have Drew Doughty and Jake Muzzin, who are 26 and 27, um, and Anze Kopitar, is 29. So, um, I don't know. I feel like you could you could try to, like, stink this year and you get quick back next year. Do what the Canadians are doing um, in terms of, like, waiting for your goalie to recover for the year. Um, and then you know, and then compete this year, or the next year, Um, something like that, so that, I mean, like, I just don't like the idea of, like, trading just for a short term, because you know that Quick's gonna be back, and I feel like, you know, they may not be that desperate to go and get a guy like Ryan Miller or Andre Pavlich, just because of that cap hit, Um, it's not like they could get someone um, on a, like a... Like that's favorable for them on a contract basis. Right.
1: Yeah, like it's, um, it, it's gonna be an it's gonna be an interesting scenario, especially when you, when when, when you look at uh, all of, all of the options that. Um, my that point they was, have in the draft. Like yeah. I, 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 don't know.
0: Like where the. My draft point is, is, is that they really do not really have how
1: much, how much how many picks they have. But
0: yeah, my point was, is that more they. Don't have a ton of like young prospects in their system. Like I'm looking at their minor league team, and really the only guys I've heard of are uh, Zach Trotman. But that's because I'm a Bru- I know him from the Bruins. They also have Alex. And Lynch, Rob he Scuderi. The he
1: could be he could be a he could be a diamond in the rough there.
0: And Rob Scuderi. Um, but well,
1: I think they bought him out, didn't
0: they? Oh yeah, they did. Well, they they say that he's on the they minor put him league on waivers, team, but. They put him on, yeah. Okay, this is just, this is from cap friendly. Just looking where they are. They
1: they're slated
0: to pick 6 overall in yeah. the
1: first round and then 36 overall. So yeah, they, they would have they would have some uh they would have some pretty good
0: picks, that's for sure. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking so, yeah, in terms it, of like a it of a be, prospect. It be the worst
1: thing in the world.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing yeah, in the yeah. world for them to just start tanking right now, but I but don't still, think they're going to do it.
1: <laughs> still, it's the Kings, people expect expected them to make another cup run this year so I don't yeah. think Lamborghini's just
0: going to be content to just sit True. there and watch his No, team I don't think they, they will, but them. I'm saying like that's probably what they should do, but I understand why they wouldn't. Um Um all right. Uh let's go back but you to you know what? If, if they can get if they can get by with
1: if if, if if they can get by with what they have, yeah. and they can still be an average team, retired, that's really going to speak to the resiliency of this team and that it, it. Jonathan Quick is good, but it's not
0: just Jonathan Quick that makes this team so good. True, true. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, speaking of that, uh, so a bunch of guys came back um, from their team. So Bergeron, Carey Price, Jaden Schwartz, and Braden Shen are all back on their team. Uh,
1: To be fair, I think Shen was suspended, but regardless, he's back. Yeah, he's And much-needed add to their Flyers offense.
0: True. Um, That's the same with, uh, well, I don't know. Bergeron wasn't really missed. We did win uh, two of the three games that he was out. Um, And uh, Carey Price was sort of missed, I guess, although Montoya did pretty well for them. Yeah. I'm not too caught up with the the flyers or the um, blues in that regard, but um, yeah. all the guys are back. Um, well, yeah, actually, the blues they're making an impact. Bergeron, a game yeah. winner in his return. Price has picked
1: up two victories as well. Yeah, Price first.
0: looks really good. Um, oh yeah, well the blues were uh, undefeated, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, but they added they got Schwartz back to help them out. Uh, Moran hat trick too on Saturday yeah. against Calgary. So, yeah. Yakupov looks good too.
1: Yeah,
0: um, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if it's like the if it was the Oilers' fault or if like if he just need if uh, Yakupov needed a new start somewhere. But it's just like They just like didn't
1: fit their system. He's, I don't know.
0: I don't know. I, it just seems it's, like you know that I feel like he could have been like that guy that he is right now in St. Louis to the guy in Edmonton. I know it's early and he could, you know, he could fall back, but um, it seems like maybe like the Oilers are just mismanaging again. Of course. But. I, I, think, I think it's more got stuff to do with the fact that you look at St. Louis, you look at all the veterans that you have, you look yeah. at all
1: the talent that they have. I think they have a good blend of everything. The Oilers are young and they're talented, but they don't have that veteran grit, the inexperience to be True. successful. And I think that's what Yakupov needs to be successful. He needs experience, and he needs a, a taste of winning, a taste of success. And I think he can find that in St. Louis. And it, it just sometimes you need to change of scenery. Sometimes it just doesn't work out, and you go to
0: another place, you fit right in, you blossom, and everything's good. True. Um, Hosa got 500th, his 500th goal. Um, Gohosa.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's yeah. one of those guys, doesn't matter what team he's on, he's going to put up points. And, yeah. uh kind of slowed down this achievement, but finally got his 500th career goal. How about Richard Ponick, though? He's got yeah. six this year, including a hat-trick.
0: Well, that's what the uh, Chicago Blackhawks do. Um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, they take unheard of guys and make them into stars. Um, yeah. Um, Anything? It wasn't an unheard of guy. He just, no one thought he could score like this. Well, that's I what I what meant. Man. Yeah. That's what I meant, though. But yeah, like, uh, like Christopher Stieg did pretty well on them. Um, there was another guy. Oh, uh, Panarin. Panarin. Um, he, he was definitely an unheard of guy. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what they do. Um, also has four goals, which is, um, um, yeah, that's pretty, cool pretty respectable. And Matt Reed has five goals. The um that's a surprising thing too. I'm just looking at the goals list and it's like a like a bunch of like new guys, which is uh kinda cool in a the way. There's no like Patrick Haynes or Jamie Benz, it's Richard Panic, Austin Matthews, Matt Reed, Anisimov, and McDavid, so no. um I guess there's a new um that's the, that's the definition of it's early in the season when <laughs> true true yeah you're right uh, i guess i'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk in like a couple of weeks i'll uh, we'll see if they, these guys it are fit, still on it top not
1: fits the definition it fits the phrase true of it's early you know it's early in the season when
0: right uh, so speaking of it it's early in the season but connor mcdavid uh, called practice on monday or last yeah, it Monday. was optional. He made it mandatory. He made it mandatory. Um, it is kind of interesting, like this. Uh, this is like his first big leadership endeavor move, I guess. Um, but um, it is early in the season, so um, it is kind of strange in that sense. But um, I mean, hey, they uh, they won their next two games, um, so maybe it, maybe McDavid does know something. Uh, so it worked out for them. Um, yeah, and it's interesting
1: because uh, the way Todd McClellan just just ri- just rip into his team and call out Benoit Pouliot, who who took um, I think it was three penalties in a 15 minute span in one game uh, that was against Calgary, and then Buffalo he took two penalties in a 12 minute span, and then he just benched him for the final two periods. Hasn't taken a penalty in the two games since. Um, and although he's got one point in five games, uh, again, it hasn't taken a penalty uh, since Todd McClellan called him out. And the Oilers have responded. They, the undefeated Blues no longer undefeated, thanks to the Edmonton Oilers. Mm. And, then, uh, and then they won again. Uh, and, and now they're going to be playing the Jets. Uh, as we're recording this, it's Sunday afternoon. They're playing yep. uh, actually a Heritage Classic, if you can believe it, in Winnipeg in mid-October. I don't know how cold it is in Winnipeg, but um, Probably, I guess, if they, yeah, I guess if they can put yeah. an outdoor game in California and, in the middle of winter, I yeah. guess, what nothing's stopping them from doing that. Isn't it's, it
0: always but, cold in Winnipeg, though? Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm sure
1: the, the myth is it's, it's always cold in Canada, and yeah. I, I hear at some parts of Canada there actually might be snow on the ground, but... That's a story uh, that uh, can always be talked about uh, for an, for another time uh, on another show. But uh, uh, again, right. it, it, it's interesting that the Oilers, if they
0: beat the Chess, they could be five and one. Yeah, which is incredible. They could take the uh, Kings' playoff spot. Um, <laughs> but they keep playing like this; nothing's stopping them. True. Um, well, as we we've, we've mentioned all the thing, it's it's still early. Um,
1: yeah but it's definitely reassuring because yeah. before I haven't last time I remember the Oilers getting off to this kind of a fast start Pat Quinn was their coach
0: right <laughs>
1: and that was and that was 2010 ish yeah so it's 2009 2010
0: so it's been a yeah. while um, also McDavid uh, said something that was kind of funny so he was asked on um, Austin Matthews four goal game um, and he said as a rookie, it's tough to come into the league unless you're Austin Matthews. For us normal people, it's hard. Um, I know he was probably trying to be humble and whatnot, but it was just funny that he is like, he thinks he's normal. Um, <laughs> and, um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe he does actually have a sense of humor. Um, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, what's definitely not normal is
1: the least track record in the third period. Well, right. Considering it's it's the least, maybe to some people would be like, nah, it's not normal when I say this, but <laughs> I've never seen a team uh, with an inability to hold a third period lead. They've coughed up late game leads against Ottawa, Winnipeg, Minnesota, and most recently Chicago. So far this year, um, in the Chicago game, they scored two times in a minute to tie the game at and four. almost
0: the Bruins, but yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, and and they've lost only one game in regulation. There are, I believe, one one in three. After their first uh, five games, yeah. So,
0: Um, yeah, that's. um, I mean, I guess I feel like this is what happened. This is like a signifier of what a young team is. It's like, yes, you know, like they just can't hold the lead. Um, So that's. I think that's just something you have to learn, and it's and like the as I was just mentioning before with the Coyotes, this is like something that. They're still in a rebuilding year, in a way, so um, it's good to get all out all the kinks and all the stuff that they have to worry about. And then, you know, next year, the next two years, even, um, they can, like, start actually being like, oh, we're actually good, you know, so... To um, quote
1: Todd McClellan, we're not ready to handle prosperity yet, but <laughs> I think in a couple of years, the Maple Leafs will... Uh Will own that craft and and they'll own it pretty well. There again, like I've said many many times before, they are a team on the rise, and in a couple of years, we'll see just how good this team can be. Until yep. then, uh, they're going to have to find a way to hold third period leads. But again, baby steps, right. baby steps to long term success. Meanwhile, this the first, there's the first
0: bad habit they've got to break. Meanwhile, Mitch Barner and uh, Austin Matthews do look really good. So yes, um, yes I'm not looking forward to hitting those guys. Um, New York Islanders um, have some issues with the Barclays Center. Uh, you know this more well th- more more than I do, so
1: yeah. I'll let well, you speak it, on this. It, <laughs> the Islanders have been searching for a new arena. It's it's still been ongoing. Um, I, I remember when the story got out. Apparently, both sides wanted to get out of the lease, both the arena and the team. Uh, the latest news from their current uh, tenor probably added to their list of incentives to get out of said lease. Arena officials were asked by the New York Islanders uh, team to upgrade the ice piping system, which, in the eyes, uh, which in the eyes of Cal Clutterbuck, was quote unquote unplayable and um, an ice surface that you couldn't basically string three passes in a row together. Um, but found somehow found a way uh, to win uh, their game. Um, I can't remember who was against um, uh, er earlier uh, in the week, but um, he was very critical of the ice playing conditions. Apparently, those ice playing conditions, uh, the ice piping system at the Barclays Center, does not meet the NHL's minimum standards. And arena staff are refusing to comply with the team's uh, recommendation to upgrade the ice piping system. So... While they might be still playing there, the question is for how long? Because I don't think Barkley Center—I uh, don't think the staff at the Barclays Center are too committed to the New York Islanders, and in turn, I, I, I shouldn't blame the New York Islanders for not being too committed to this facility because it sounds like they don't give a darn right now. Right. Which is sad because uh, just their their creative chant, yes, chant at the end of the game. The, the fans it just. Watching Tavares score the game winner against Florida last year, the fr- it, it was in an f- absolute frenzy. The crowd was loving it; they were having a mm. good time. I think they could really be successful, and it's it's just a shame that uh, both that uh, one side isn't willing to meet the other halfway. And it, it's just really, really a shame because when they left um, the Nassau Coliseum, I thought all of these problems would go hopefully eventually go away, um, and Two years, three years into their lease, it's not looking like it's been resolved. In fact, it's just as uncertain as it was at the Nassau. But at least it's close to the state-of-the-art facilities you can get. So um, yeah, at least the have that for the time being. But again, their 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 future is still as uncertain as ever. And that's just really unfortunate.
0: Um, I do like that car, though, that they have. I, yeah. like, I made fun yeah, of it, really it for really a while. Really it and then through, it really And then now I kind of like it, it yeah. Yeah, just it makes random it, car in the season. Yeah, it's like um, it's like a cool like um signifier for that stadium, you know. I don't know. And,
1: uh, and I can understand like it was built to be a, a NBA stadium. Yeah. I can understand that, but just not even willing to accommodate. Like, yeah, I, yeah, like, this the, is unfortunate. The, I will admit that. This shouldn't be this hard, honestly. Exactly, yeah,
0: but, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um. The Preds have some food poisoning issues. Um, yeah. these are some, um, yeah, it's a, uh, I think Pekka Rinne, uh, couldn't start yesterday, uh, yesterday, um, because of it. Although they beat the Pens, um, four to one last, uh, last night with, uh, I think it was like some guy, Zeros or something like that. Um, uh, he got the start um and he you know he played well against the penguins um but uh yeah there's some food boys remember the mumps yeah <laughs> this kind of yeah, reminds me of that time the mumps where, were
1: thing yeah 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 um. Yeah, that food poisoning stuff is killer to a locker room. I mean, I remember one time the Sens were playing. The Leafs, this was back in, I think, 3 04. Yeah. The Sens up like 4 nothing, 4-1 after 1. And then the Leafs came back and went in overtime. The Sense dressing room was stricken with, with some kind of bug in like five or six players, I think. Yeah. We're, we're getting I, yeah. sick, either couldn't play or had to leave play it. it that, yeah. that kind of stuff, just gnarly. It's, yeah, not, it's gnarly, not in a good way. Right, and,
0: especially uh, your goalie, Um, Pecorino. Yeah, goalie, it was pretty hard. Just ask Harry Price. He, 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 he didn't foul food poisoning, but a severe case of the flu, and now he's back. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I'm just looking here, who didn't play last night. Uh, Mike Fisher, uh, Pecorino, Craig Smith, and Sissons? Um, I don't know his first name. Um, those guys were couldn't play last night, but um they still won though, so um, I guess they battled through adversity five one. Yeah, yeah, it's um, a, I guess it can be a good morale
1: booster, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, And then lastly, on our list, General Fanager shut down. Um, the founder of General Fanager is hired by Las Vegas. Um and we've been using Cap Friendly now. Um, I don't know if we we do mention it every now and again. Like, oh, according to General Fanager, according to this, our whole Las Vegas episode wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for General Fanager. Um, and now that guy is uh gonna help with that process of exp- uh, doing um, the expansion draft. Yeah, so that's uh, I don't know if that's
1: the definition of irony, but yeah,
0: uh, that that's. I uh, actually- that's- I think that may have been the main reason why they got him, was just because he, like, he knew all the rules of this just expansion like, mm. draft and just said, like, yeah. alright, you can you can probably help Not us in terms money. of, like, finding loopholes, and because I've heard this guy speak before, and he, like, he's so knowledgeable about, like, the cap and stuff, um, so it's like, it's unfortunate that I can't use it anymore. Um, we've been using cap-friendly now, but um, Hopefully they the don't same, use though. some
1: of our scouting advice for that episode because they yeah. might be in a pretty tough spot.
0: <laughs> they might be. But, you know, yeah. who knows? Um, we'll see.
1: <laughs> uh, also, a, a couple, couple of quick um, little tidbits here. Yeah. Um, um, some, some sort of a now-you-know kind, of, um, kind of part of the episode. Um, apparently, after the Zachoff injury and Jack Campbell's call-up to the Kings – the plan for LA's AHL affiliate, the Ontario Reign, was to have a young Jonah Emu start and to have his dad, who's the goalie coach, uh, his name is Dusty, serve as the backup. A father-son duo in pro hockey for a game. I've never seen that before. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know how <laughs> to be funny, it, but uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: also, I uh, found this um, from the NHL and NBC Sports Network. Uh, they had a Facebook video about... What happens to those hat trick hats that they throw on the ice? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I shared this on the Facebook page. If you if you didn't see it, um, I'll, I'll share some of the info with you. Most teams give fans three to fourteen days to reclaim their hats. You probably knew that. And if they aren't claimed in time, they go to local charities. Probably also knew that. What you might not know is that some players get to keep some of those hat trick hats as keepsakes. In fact, Ovechkin has allegedly kept a few during his heyday. Uh, The Blue Jackets, Capitals, and Flyers, they take it one step further and put some of those hat-trick hats on stadium displays. Mm. And there was also one time where Sidney Crosby recorded a hat-trick on hat giveaway night where over 1,300 hats were thrown onto the ice that night. An NHL record that still stands today. So now you know what happens to those hat-trick hats uh, when someone scores a hat-trick and a bunch of them fall onto the ice. Now you know where they go.
0: Yeah, interesting. All right. Um, All right, let's go to the Bruins' send segment. I forget who started last week, but... You can go first. All right, I'll go first. I Uh, I
1: hear, though, that Brandon Carlo is playing pretty well. Yeah, he
0: is. I was going to talk about him. Well yeah, there's a couple of things that we can talk about here. Um, So, yeah, the Bruins so we uh, recorded this before the Maple Leafs game. Um, for some reason, uh Tuka Rask wasn't playing. Um, I'm he, uh, like r- reportedly, it was just like he um, guess he was just uh, he may have tore something. Um, general soreness is what they call yeah. It. General and apparently soreness. Apparently, that same general soreness ailment
1: is why he didn't play against Montreal as right, well. Right,
0: which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was a little sad. Um, and, um, we actually, but so, um, Kudobin was, um, he didn't have a good start, um, in the first period. Um, and then he got slowly better. Um, and then, you know, uh, but then it was like four nothing at the time and, um, we just couldn't do anything. So, um, so that was a loss to Toronto. Um, that was unfortunate. Then we went to uh, Winnipeg. Um, so we went from Austin Matthews to uh, Patrick Laine, um And we beat them. Uh, Rask was back. Um, and he could play. So it, it just showed how good Rask is compared to Um, um And, um, yeah, we played much better that time. There was a cool, uh, there was like an own goal where P- Passer has been really good for us. Um, like, although that that goal he uh, had against Winnipeg was he like, he passed, he was going to pass it to Bacchus, but it hit, um, like, um, I'm blanking on the defenseman's name, um, the Winnipeg defenseman, um, like, it hit that skate of the Winnipeg defenseman and it went in which I thought was uh, funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, so... just
1: like they drew it up in practice. Exactly.
0: Yep. Um, Marchan and Pasternak, um, even though Bergeron wasn't playing for the first three games, um, the Bergeron, Marshawn... I mean, the Marshawn, Pasternak, and Bacchus line was really good. Um, it was kind of like as we were talking about before, like, if you don't have your best guys, it's time to, like, other, for other people to step up, so, Marshawn and Pasternak, uh, stepped up without Bergeron, um, and I thought that was, uh, pretty cool, and, like, it gave me hope, uh, for the future, I guess. Um, and for a time, Marshawn was the leading points getter, so, um, Bruins don't have, never had, never have those kind of guys, so, um, so that's cool, not
1: since Joe Thornton, not
0: since Joe Thornton, yeah, (laughs) I'm trying to think if that's true, I'm like, yeah, that's true, um, now I got even more sad, um, and then, on Thursday, Bergeron came back, uh, it was against the New Jersey Devils, um, got the first goal, I, I, like, I, who would you rather face off against, uh, Corey Schneider or Carey Price, Steve? Um,
1: I think Corey Schneider. I mean, uh, not nothing against Carey Price, but um, uh, I, 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 both are both are key to their team success. Yeah. the Devils came away without Schneider, and the Pats can't win as much without Carey Price. Uh, but yep. I, I think the Devils tend to lean on Corey Schneider a bit more because yep. at, at least at least in Montreal, you have a young Mikhail Sergachev, you have R.J. Markov, you have Shea Weber. Devils, mm-hmm. you did have Adam Larson, and now you, you don't.
0: Know. Yeah, you just have... You're, you're, you're ba- basically, your best
1: guy is Andy Green on defense, I think, yeah. right now. And well, Severson, w- and, and, and those young guys. But just again, the pressure for Corey Schneider to make that big save and not give up a rebound, I think the pressure is higher on Schneider than Price. And I think it's it's a bit easier to overwhelm Corey Schneider.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, easier. uh, I don't know if that's true necessarily. I feel like, I feel like, well, I feel like Schneider is much more, like he has more to work with. Because um, like he was the only reason why they the Devils were in the game on Thursday, um, whereas for Montreal it's like sure Carey Price helped a lot, but the you know they had a lot bunch of guys that were yeah so
1: Corey Schneider doesn't have as much to work with as Carey Price yeah,
0: does. and care. and that that was more my argument I felt like like it's like that old like Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning I feel like Brady has less to work with compared to what Payne and Manning had to deal with. So, I don't know. Exactly. Both are in the same category. Not to take away anything that Schneider or Price do. But, uh, anyways, yeah. uh, the Bruins had to play those guys um, <laughs> on Thursday and Saturday. Uh, yeah, so the Bruins, uh, It. I actually had only caught the third period of the Devils game, and that was a good thing because it was 0-0 at the start of that game and it ended up with a two, one game. Um, so that was an exciting third period. Um, and Bergeron got the game winner. Um, yeah. and then, uh, on Saturday, we kind of talk, I kind of talked about this earlier. Uh, Rask was injured again, uh, but played better in the first period. Uh, then he just crumbled, um, after a while. And I kind of just got defeated. <laughs> um, I was just like all right you can't you can't get any pat like you can't like uh, get any past uh Carey price um yeah. so I was just uh I was just in a bad mood that day um <laughs> but uh, uh yeah as we were mentioning Brandon Carlo looks really good I hope he stays on the t- on the roster after the 9 games um but the question is will he um he should um, so has Colin Miller, um, speaking of former Kings prospects, um, as I've mentioned before earlier in the program. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, It should be interesting to see. Uh, I think the biggest concern here, though, is not necessarily Kodobin, um because I have a feeling that Rask's injury isn't as serious, because he has been playing, um, but um, it's more like, uh, that Marshawn, uh, now Marshawn-Bergeron-Pasternak line is our only good line. Um, and our defense, of course. Um, so, uh, that's something that we have to worry about. Dominic Moore has been good for us, too. Um, so that's been a surprise, um, But we'll see. Um, This week, we play, uh, we have a back-to-back. We uh, host the Wild on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And we play the Rangers at New York on Wednesday. Um, And then on Saturday, we play Detroit. um, In Detroit, I believe. In Detroit, yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, probably, Hugh Dolman's going to start either Tuesday or Wednesday. And then, hopefully,
1: this coming Saturday, Tuka Rask will be ready to go. And not playing uh, due to general soreness. Yep. Um, but I, I think they're going to monitor him. I think maybe give him a, a couple of maintenance days here yeah. and there because if this becomes a recurring thing, the last thing you want is to become a recurring thing. And then, you know, instead of, you know, oh, we'll just give him a couple of days, it, you know, he might
0: need about a week's time. Yeah.
1: And then you'll
0: that's, have to. That's have to why to I. I feel like the fact that he's, like, he even played for two games is just, like, showing that, like, oh, it's not as serious as we think it is.
1: Especially when in those two games they, what, like, two, three goals against, I think?
0: Um, Those two games that he didn't play? No, those two games that he played. Uh, He's um, only given up, uh, let me do quick math here, he's only given up five goals this year. Right. Yeah, and in in those last two games, I think it was just two or three years. Yeah, he uh, he gave up one goal uh, for the last his last two games. Okay, so two and uh, two goals against the last two games. Yeah, it was so four practice, to one. It was four to one on uh, against Winnipeg and Winnipeg, two to one two in one New, Jersey. New Jersey. So yeah, he's only given up two so, goals in two games.
1: Yeah. So the fact the fact of the matter is, not only has he played,
0: he's two been goals pretty good in two games. He's
1: won both games, so yeah. he, he looks
0: okay. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's why it gives me hope. Although we may see uh, the Bruins did recall Zane McIntyre, yeah, um, up, so we may see him in the back to back if Rask can't play. Um,
1: yeah, I heard on an emergency basis, so I don't know if it was just just in case Kudovic gets hurt or or something right. like that. But,
0: but, like I don't you know, know like if it's cool. smart to have the a bat like him Kudovic play back to back like that, you know? Yeah. All right, anyways, let's go to uh, your Ottawa Senators.
1: Yeah, so by the time I record this podcast, Ottawa hadn't played Montreal, who hadn't lost. Uh, and I like the pace of Ottawa's um, bottom six line, uh, uh, bottom six to forwards there on Saturday against Montreal. They were in their face for the better part of the first period, killed off a huge penalty, and they were actually taking it to Montreal during that penalty kill. Um Montreal got themselves back into it. I think maybe Ottawa maybe let their foot off the gas a little bit, but Montreal came back. They had the lead. Ottawa tied it, forced overtime. They won that. Um, then against Detroit, Mike Green apparently uh, thought it was the perfect time to score his first ever hat trick, <laughs> which is a bit surprising considering everyone thought, you know, oh Mike Green, no, past his prime now, but. There he goes scoring a hat-trick in a 5-1 win, and Detroit's up 3-0 uh, after one. So that was that was probably not their best game of the year. Uh, then, with a good response against Arizona, scored four of their seven goals in the third, including probably the sweetest empty netter you'll see from any player, let alone Eric Carlson. just dumps uh, the puck in and just outraces Max Domi and then just... Just casually puts it in. It's it's incredible the amount of speed that guy has. 17 goals for in their first four games. That's not too bad. Unfortunately, they have 16 goals against through their first four games. So the goals against still needs a bit of work. Um, Even then, you think they could probably match up with Tampa relatively well. In the first period, they didn't. The Bolts quickly put aside any thought of a pesky sense comeback. Uh, In the third period, they scored two more times in a 4-1 win. But um, in the second period, again, the Sens showed some fight. They got a fluky goal on Vasilevsky. Just terrible control of the puck there, and they were able to pounce on it. But um, after that, they got some momentum. They got a power play Carlson at the post, or hit the crossbar, as a matter of fact. So Ottawa's got some momentum. They still need a 60-minute effort, and Guy Boucher has been trying his best in practice been a bit animated at times but trying to get rid of some bad habits there are still obviously some bad habits still lingering but i think they're slowly trying uh to work those things out and it's a work in progress but if you told me through the first five games they'd be three two and oh that's that's not too bad but again october they need to take advantage of some Decent to average competition. They're not facing the cream of the crop right now. And now they're going to go on a road trip and play the West, the Western Canada teams. Um, and and they need at least four of a possible six points out of that. I think you have the Canucks up next again. Um, they've only been scored on 10 times in five games. They've only scored 13 goals. So something's got to give when you consider the sense of giving up 20 goals against through their first five games. Either one team's going to shut it down and the other side won't be able to, or the Sens will learn to play better defense and Vancouver will have a rough night. So um, it's going to be one of those something's got to give kind of moments. Uh, And then they have Calgary on the Friday night. Uh, They've given up 27 goals against after their first six. And their first three were against Edmonton and Vancouver. Edmonton they played twice. Uh, They've also scored the same amount of goals as Ottawa, 18 goals through their first six games so they got some offensive power they're probably due to snap out of their slump so ottawa can't afford to take a night off there they can't afford to take a night off anybody and then the quietly successful oilers on a sunday night they've won four four of their first five games scored 20 goals for two fewer than ottawa um again these teams they're they're they, they're probably either doing better than a lot of people expected or they're or they're uh, better than what they're showing right now. And Ottawa can't take any of these teams for granted. They don't scare me. I think they're definitely beatable. But if Ottawa takes a night off against any one of these teams, they could really let some points slip away from their grasp. So they, this is a time where they need to play a full 60-minute effort. They need to learn that. They need to... Maybe not master it, but they need to get a hang of playing well, playing well for 60 minutes, holding a lead, and maintaining it. And I think if they do that, they're going to have a successful road trip. But I think this is they need to make an early statement here.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, it's it's still early, but yeah. I I don't know. I felt that oh, way. The one, the one yeah. thing
1: I like about though is Tom Pyatt and Chris Kelly. They've been quietly good though. Both both of them have been both of them have been playing pretty well. They've they've scored some key goals. Um it, it, it's it's just incredible how they're finding these guys and, and they're just finding ways to contribute. And and that's it's it's good to have it's good to have a, a balanced attack that way. Um two goals and three points in five games for Tom Pyatt. He had he had uh, two points against Arizona, one point against Montreal. Um, even a plus four against the Coyotes, mind you, the Coyotes. <laughs> but still, it for for a guy like Tom Pied, who's, who's playing on the fourth line, that's not too bad. And and just taking a look at uh, Chris Kelly and his numbers, he's got two points in five games. Um, and again, did most of that damage against Arizona. I guess everyone had a good night um, right. against the Coyotes. Um what does concern me a bit, though, is the attendance. Only eleven thousand plus against uh, Arizona first day, and that can seat eighteen
0: thousand ish. Wait, is this that, in that's, Arizona?
1: That's, that's no,
0: this is Ottawa. Oh, uh, home
1: game against Arizona. Only eleven plus th- eleven thousand plus showed up. Wow. Well. So um, that that may be a bit of cause for concern. Um, but also on the side note, though. Um, Ottawa is making a bid to host the 2019 World Junior Hockey Championships. They uh, last hosted it in 2009. Very successful event. Um, They're going up against the likes of Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, from what I'm hearing, um, uh, to host the bid. It's already been awarded to Canada. Canada will host the tournament in 2019. But um, it's just a matter of which city is going to get it. And Ottawa apparently um, is uh, either thinking of making a bid or they've already made one. And uh, Serial leader says the last one in 2009, like I said, very successful, really generated um, a positive impact on the local economy. So it'll be interesting to see where that leads. And there weren't just 11,000 fans there. A lot of people showed up for that event. So uh, that'll be uh, an an event uh, worthy of of keeping an eye on because uh, I'm not going to say probably within the next month a decision will be made, but... In the very near future, you will probably hear some sort of announcement as to uh, which Canadian city hosts the tournament in 2019. So uh, keep exciting. your eyes on that.
0: That's exciting. I didn't. I guess it makes sense to put it in Canada every year, but I thought you, you know, would... I, I, I you know.
1: see it seemed to notice a lot more of it is in Canada, which I'm not complaining.
0: Right. I guess it makes sense, but I think it isn't the point of the World Cup to bring it to other countries that aren't necessarily... Juniors, Big hockey yeah. fans, and
1: uh, it's it seems that it seems that those other countries are s- mostly Sweden, Finland, and the U.S. Right o- outside
0: Canada. Like, well, that's fine, and Russia, but like that's fine. I just I don't know. I feel like it was in Toronto this past year. It should be you know just, I don't know. I'm bringing it to another country.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think it was in it was in another country this year in in twenty. 20- uh, t- it was twenty fifteen. Was in was in Toronto and Montreal. Right, and I think this upcoming one is also going to be in Toronto and Montreal.
0: Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. Well, it's all right. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um, I guess that. Oh, right. Social media. Right. Yes. <laughs> I literally almost forgot this, even though okay. I wrote it down.
1: You've been, put, you've been putting in our topics. Yeah.
0: Almost- um, <laughs> I still forgot. Um, Facebook. Um is Lace Em Podcast, Lace them Up Podcast. Um or yes just lay some up. Um Twitter is some Podcast. Um email us anything really um at laceupbag at gmail dot com. You're probably listening to us on SoundCloud or um or iTunes. Um either or subscribe or follow us on those things um and uh leave us a good review on itunes too um i'm brett duboff
1: i'm steve ellsworth we'll talk again in historic episode 50 where probably most of the stories that uh, we could have talked about that will probably be mentioned a couple of hours after this podcast being recorded we'll talk probably. about all that and more in episode 50 of the lace up podcast
0: episode 50